I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Joining me today on the show is Mariella Mejia, Chief Marketing Officer at Meadow Labs, the organization who just did the NFT for Australia Zoo and the Irwin family. So Mariella, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Now, Mariella, you pop up everywhere in the NFT world and you are a particularly prolific tweeter. Um, How did you end up, I mean, a storied career in marketing and now now you're sort of, you know, deep in the NFT game. what's What's the track? Well, firstly, I got to apologise for all my tweets about tuna, Nick. Uh, you were, I did want to mention all the tuna <laughs> tweets. You, you do have, you do have a fascination with with the tin fish, especially for lunch. It's just it's the superior lunch meat. But look, that's a different conversation. <laughs> I feel like a tuna NFT is uh, is on the cards anytime soon. You can NFT anything, Nick. Um, so just watch, watch this space. The um, digital. The, I mean, the people at Safcol need to be getting a tuner NFT. There we go. We've, there's an idea right there. Get, get in touch with Meta Labs. We, we can do that quite easily. Um, but to answer your question, Nick, I, um, I have had a really long career in, uh, in marketing. I came from an events um, career. So um, you probably would have seen in one of my very long bios that I am um, accidentally ended up in in marketing um, through events. I found that I really enjoyed uh, telling people about them rather than actually organizing them. And uh, and then that led me into a really long path into tech. So I worked with some um, incredible tech companies in the UK. Uh, it was a dating company. It had a radio station, all very much aligned to tech. Worked for Eventbrite as well when I came back home uh, in Australia for a while to get them launched in, Aust- in Australia as they, as they came over many, many, many years ago. And then that led me to uh, creating my own marketing agency, which I ran for the last eight years and uh, worked with about 90 brands in eight years, Um, got to see a hell of a lot uh, for a marketer. And um, I happened to stumble across this fine gentleman, which I think everyone in the blockchain space knows, called Steve Ellis. And uh, he, he cornered me one day and he said, you know, this blockchain thing has got a bit of legs. I think you would really like it. And I said to him, no, no just, you know, I've, <laughs> I've got enough tech in my life. I don't need another one. Um, but uh, the hook was for me was provenance. So I was really interested to know where things came from and why they came from and how could we actually see that they came from um, from where they said they were. So he hooked me in and next thing you know, we are collaborating on Blockchain 2020. Um, we went kind of our we kind of forked out and uh, he ended up as the CEO of uh, Blockchain Australia and yeah. I was very lucky that when I said to him, you know, I think this this Web3 thing has some legs, he um, he said, mate, you're late. And uh, and I was, <laughs> I was really lucky that um, when I was ready and the opportunity was right, I left my business and joined the incredible team at Meta Labs. Fantastic. And, and I, I, I agree entirely, Steve. I think has been an incredible catalyst for uh, advances in in Australia's appreciation, particularly corporate Australia's appreciation of blockchain. So uh, I can understand he is he's like that snake from the Jungle Book with the mesmerising eyes, where you can go <laughs> and start talking to him and not believe in blockchain, and by the end of it, uh, you'll be uh, you know you'll be buying some ETH. So that is a hundred percent Steve Ballas. So what about so Meadow Labs? So so what does Meadow Labs do? 
That's a great question, Nick. And you know, it's one I get really often um, because I think this is so new, this space, that it's really challenging for people to understand. So um, the way that I describe Meta Labs is that we take really big brands and we propel them at uh, lightning speed, or as I like to think of blockchain, it, it runs in dog years. So one week is a month um, and we propel them really quickly towards the NFT space. We take them from zero to drop and then beyond, which is um, which is particularly important in the NFT space. Great. And and so just with that, because I, it's, I think it's important to understand for folks exactly how how this works so so does this work when someone's got a pretty well formed idea so a corporate comes in and goes you know what we want to uh you know drop a new whiskey label or something like that as an nft is it sort of that stage or do you will you work with them at the strategy level to say well you know what's your web3 strategy and then you know how does nft how does crypto how does metaverse even fit into that yeah, look, it's a, it's a mixture of both. Um, however, if, however, if you do have someone that is uh, looking for a whiskey label and they want to test out their whiskey on anyone, I'm a wonderful candidate for that. So I very, <laughs> so very we learned a lot about you. About. It's whiskey and tin tuna. Mm. Whiskey and you're tin a, tuna. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a conundrum, uh, Mariella, but I like it. I'm a connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, it's a, we. It's actually both and. So we get some companies come to us and they don't have a Web3 strategy and we help them build it and we take them through it. And then there's other people that do come in with, um, you know, they've spent a long time looking at innovation and they're like, here's what we want to do and we help them get through that as well. Um, our particular expertise, I think, at Meadow Labs is that we really um, quite empathetic and we really care about customer. Um, so the NFT projects we build aren't one, one and done. They're actually one and here for a really long time. Um, yeah, look, the other part I think is really important to what we do is um, we ensure that whatever NFT project we do has some good in this world. Um, and um, we, we can dig into that a little bit deeper, but it's uh, one of the reasons I love working at Meadow Labs. Fantastic. And I think, you know, your point there, you know, it's not one and done. I mean, I often say to people, you know, with an NFT, it's almost like having a child because you, um, you know, it, it's very, I mean, they don't just sort of exist ephemerally. They, they are ongoing digital assets. So we need to have thought about a life for them and so forth. So, you know, you mentioned doing good in the world. And I think, you know, one of the big projects that you've worked on recently uh, you know, for Australia Zoo and obviously the Irwin family holds holds a particular place, I think, in the heart of most Australians. And it was a big announcement when, when the Irwins came out with an NFT project. And so can you talk us a little bit about, I guess, how, how did that how did that project even come about and, and how did you execute on it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Look, one of the highlights of obviously working at Meta Labs is is one of the great projects that we get exposure to, and one of them is obviously the Irwins in Australia Zoo. Um, the thing that I didn't know about Australia Zoo until we started working with them is just how incredible, how incredibly vast their impact is. Um, so you've got Australia Zoo, you've got their um, uh, wildlife warriors, and then you've got the Australia Zoo Wildlife Hospital, and they've got conservation projects all over the world. Um, right. It's absolutely phenomenal what uh, what the Irwins and uh, and their team do around the world for posit pos positivity. Yeah. So 
Um, we partnered up uh, to drop an NFT. Uh, so we started, um, it's actually a collectible series of five. Um, and their aim is to really do good for the world. So it's to help them continue with their conservation projects, um, to help them make the zoo even more sustainable. So one of the key projects around this is um, there's incredible, I don't know if you've ever been to Australia Zoo, Nick, but if you haven't, you really have to go. It's a phenomenal place. Um, and they've got these shuttles that they take school groups and people around, um, and they're running on diesel currently, but uh, very soon with this project, they'll be able to switch them over to um, to electric, um, plus a whole range of other um, positivity that comes out of it. Right. And I, I seem to recall, and I haven't been to Australia Zoo, but I, but I will absolutely put it on the list. Um, I think, did I recall, because obviously with an NFT now, the big term is utility. And, and what's, what's the utility? I think there was something that you could, you get VIP access to. There's a special viewing platform, I think, or something. Could you talk a little bit about what, you know, what's, what's the user experience? Why would I, why would I want to buy an Australia Zoo NFT? That's a great question. And look, what we've done is we've actually flipped the switch. So, you know, usually most people buy into an NFT project because they get something, there's utility behind it. What we've done with Australia Zoo is we've actually turned it into a philanthropy roadmap. Uh, okay. So every NFT that you buy is actually doing good and we can actually track the good that we're doing. So we dropped one, which was Warrior Crocs. Um, obviously, you know, Steve Irwin and Crocs, uh, mm. The best place to start, obviously. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that Australia Zoo do is they do crocodile research in Wenlock River, which is in far north Queensland in the Steve Irwin Reserve. Um, they tag crocs a little bit like, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with EPIRBs, but anyone who's, yeah, um, yeah EPIRBs in terms of uh, the boating world, it's like a tracker. Yeah. Um, what it allows them to do is actually do a lot of research on crocodiles, um, on their eating habits, their moving habits, um, what is happening with them in their surroundings. Um, so that they can better conserve these um, prehistoric creatures, which is absolutely phenomenal. So with our first drop, um, we got to tag five crocs in the Wenlock River, which was phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of surprises along the way with Australia Zoo. So one of the surprises, although we don't call it utility, but it's a it's a wonderful surprise, is we actually got to name one of those crocs. All right. Yeah, so as a community. So that, we The community names the croc. The community named the croc. There were some incredible names. Um, there was one that was called Inner Wild, which I was my, my personal favourite. Right. But uh, <laughs> it ended up being called Taco. So, oh, um, nice. yeah, it was lovely. And look, we got to name it as a community, but also in conjunction with the Irwins who got the um, who got the shortlist in the end. So the beauty of Australia Zoo is that um, these NFTs are actually doing good in our world currently. So every NFT that people buy um, goes directly, 100% of proceeds go directly to Australia Zoo and Wildlife Warriors. Um, And we actually get to make an impact in the world, which is an amazing thing for an NFT project. Yeah. And and so by owning that NFT, so I get sort of access to information and so forth around what that particular project is. So it's it's about growing, I guess, that community around, um, around a specific project. Yeah, absolutely. And you get insights to um, what Australia Zoo is doing. Um, So, for example, you also get um, behind-the-scenes insights. Robert Irwin pops in quite regularly to say Uh hello to holders, which is um, throws everyone into an absolute frenzy. It's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, I could well imagine. (laughs) It's my favourite. We put him, I'll I'll send you a photo, Nick, but we put him in front of this gigantic screen and he has so much fun because he's like, it's so positive, it's so loving, which is, I think, so... um, 
such a Web3 audience. It's very yeah. different to, to kind yeah. of Web2. It's very positive, very loving. And uh, and also we get sneak peeks. So recently we got to see um, David, the baby giraffe calf oh, that was yeah. born. It hasn't actually been shown to the general public, but it was shown to holders to um, to say thank you as part, being part of the project. So there's a lot of wonderful surprises that come um, that come their way. We're just getting started in terms of yeah. surprises. Yeah. So if, if you if you are keen, Drop 2 is happening on the 23rd of August and I can tell you there is incredible surprises along the way. Oh, fantastic. Well, I will, I will keep an eye out for that. So that's 23 August for Drop 2. Very good. And I guess, you know, what you've hit upon there, and we've mentioned the term a couple of times, which is I think a little bit of a novel term in marketing speak, which is community. And... If you look at NFTs, they came out of, you know, all, you know, we had we had a big surge with sports and, you know, NBA top shots and so forth. They have an inbuilt community because sports have fans, but not that many brands have fans, like like real hardcore fans. You know, I guess there's Apple and so forth. But generally speaking, I think brands talk more in terms of customers. And so are you seeing this flip now with big organisations as they have to think more about, we're actually building a community of people and how can we use NFTs to build that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think the term community gets banded and thrown around in the NFT space over and over again, um, almost to its detriment because, you know, I don't know about you, Nick, but for me, community, it's like, well, what does it actually mean? Mm. And you don't really know what community means until you experience one. Yeah. Um, so, for, I think the really interesting thing, and using Australia Zoo as an example, although we've got another project which is um, a very graffiti, it's about graffiti and the art of graffiti, and that community is really fascinating as well. Um, but the, the beauty, I think, around community is what brings us together, like what's our commonality? So very much like you talked about in sports, it's the love of this team and that love of that team. Everyone has a story as to how they came to love that team. Mm. NFTs are no different. Um, I think the opportunity with brands here, um, and look, I'm guilty as charged as well. I was, like I told you, I was in a, a marketer in my own agency for eight years. So I was very transactional. And the beauty of Web3, I think, is what Web2 wanted to be, mm. which is community. And it's less about the transaction. It's one and done. And it's more around how do we nurture? How do we grow together? How do we build together? And that's, I think, the real beauty of NFTs and community is a whole bunch of people coming together for a joint cause, whatever that cause might be. For Australia Zoo, obviously, it's conservation of wildlife and saving our planet. You know, for our other um, is Black Book, um, our other project, Black Book, which is all about graffiti. It's for the love of art and creating and creativity. So very different projects, but the community aspect is what's the one thing that kind of brings us together so the opportunities, I think, for, for brands here is that they've got customers. It's actually flipping that switch. And rather than this transaction of, like, you know, streets that are going in opposite directions, you know, mm. one's going, one's coming, it's the opportunity to actually have this, like, two-way version where it's you help us build and we build for you and we do this together. And I think mm. that's a really wonderful opportunity for brands that we're just starting to scratch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's it's fascinating. I just I know just in my own life. So I have a an old English sports car, which is a very it was a very cheap sports car, but it, I'm rebuilding it. And and there's a group I've met through Facebook uh, groups, and you know it's incredible that I mean that feels like an incredibly strong community that I would never have 
had previous to that. I think, you know, we've got those examples of community that have been enabled by technology. And I guess here, here the opportunity is how can a brand facilitate that growing of community but without, um, you know, getting getting overtly transactional, and that'll be tricky. Just, just before we, we move on to to the um, uh, to the graffiti project, with so with the Irwin's project, so has that been a success? And, and I guess how do how do you measure success of such a thing? Yes, look, the answer is yes. I consider it a success. Um, our first drop sold out within ten hours, which was wow. a which was a surprise because we didn't. Unlike most NFT projects, one of the things that we do is we don't hype them up right? Um, because right. we want people to kind of come and participate because they want to participate. Um, so it was incredibly successful. We had Robert Irwin on Sunrise um, the day before the drop, um, which was fantastic talking yeah. about NFTs. Um, Koshi still doesn't know how to buy an NFT, but by the time I'm done, Nick, I'm going to get <laughs> Koshi. <laughs> It's a personal uh, challenge. Yeah, well, yeah. Good luck with that. I, 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 you know, I think. I mean, that'll that that'll be. A, what? A, oh, hang on. I know the way to get him buy an NFT. The Koshi NFT. There you go. His own NFT. Then that'll force him into it. <laughs> That's so Koshi, isn't it? But um, <laughs> but yeah. Look, I'm I'm convinced he's going to buy an NFT. Um, but we had him on Sunrise, which you know, mainstream media we didn't yeah. think would give us a really big um uptake, but yeah. it was. It did. So one of the greatest successes for me out of the Australia Zoo project is, yes, it sold out in 10 hours. We did incredible things with it. So we actually got to make an impact in our world, which mm-hmm. I think is phenomenal. It's that bridge between Web3 and what's happening in our real world. Um, but I think for me the, the bit that I classify as success is that there were people that had never purchased right. an NFT right. before had never been involved in blockchain or crypto of any description. And they were the people that were like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I got here. I'm really passionate about this and I'm curious. We had so many newbies enter the space because of this project. We onboarded nearly 1,500 wallets. Oh, 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 that's... Yeah. Oh, in that is fantastic because that's a hours. non-trivial task. I mean, that's obviously one of the one of the significant hic- or headaches for NFT projects is how do you get off-chain people on-chain and into wallets. So, fifteen hundred wallets—that's fantastic. Yeah, in Your twenty-four hours, experience must have been good. We worked our we worked our tushies off for <laughs> um, you know it wasn't just marketing; it was education, and yeah. it was we're here with you. And what we did is we put web to you know like live chat. Like we just right. walked people right. through it. Um, web two items in web three, everyone was like, oh, that's so naff. You know, the 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 web three maxis were like, that's so naff. And yeah. we were like, no, we're gonna stick to it because we want to get more people in here. Right. So look, 1500 uh wallets in 24 hours is phenomenal. The right. fact that we got new people into this space to see how it works in a in a place that's really safe mm. and that's really kind. Yeah. Um, I consider that an incredible success. Oh, that's terrific. And and we shouldn't leave this without talking about the sustainability aspect as well because I think you built it on Algorand. And so, yeah, maybe a bit of thought on that because I know there's a strong narrative out there that blockchain is eating the world um, and, you know, we appreciate there are aspects that are, you know, causing some issues and so forth. But can you talk about how you dealt with the sustainability aspect? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I Nick, if I had a dollar for every time that someone automatically, <laughs> as soon as I said I work in blockchain, they're like, it's killing the planet. And I'm like, 
well, if I had a dollar, Nick, I would buy you something really nice. We talked about this. I said oh. a house, you said a Lambo. And that's um, right. Well, I think a Lambo with a bored ape etched into the bonnet. Now, that would be Web 3. That's the sort of thing I'm after. <laughs> but, but, you know, failing that, you know, it, it's lovely to have you on the podcast. So how did you, how did you deal with that, the sustainability argument? Look, the, the Irwins and Australia Zoo would never go yeah. on a chain that is going to hurt the planet. It is so against their ethos, so against all the incredible hard work that they do. Um, we build all our projects on Algorand. Okay. Um, Algorand is the first carbon negative chain. Um, just recently, actually, on Earth Day, it's, uh, it's now being done by smart contracts. So every time that you do a transaction on um, Algorand, uh, it's, carbon, it's carbon negative. Um, the electricity and the energy usage is less than that of a tweet so if you're tweet if you're sending me an angry tweet saying <laughs> you're killing the planet i mean no you're killing the planet because uh algorand is uh, is much less than it than a tweet so it's it's phenomenal um that we've got the opportunity for this chain one of the things i always say to people is not all chains are, are equal um, and so it really does require for us to read beyond the headlines and to actually learn more about uh, what that actually means Terrific. Um, maybe just uh, talk about maybe your graffiti project and just sort of how that's how that's coming about. Yeah, of course. Oh, look, it's it's actually a, um, a favourite project of mine because I had no idea. I had no, I knew nothing about graffiti. Absolutely nothing at all. I used to get quite grumpy when um, when I used to see graffiti everywhere. Um, and sometimes I'm, I, there, there are spaces where I get grumpy where I see graffiti, but uh, this project um, and learning more about graffiti now has me rolling out my bin. So I roll out my green bin to some dodgy areas in my in my neighbourhood to see if someone will tag it just so I can so I can be like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really? <laughs> okay. That, that would be the bin uh, filled with the empty bottles of scotch and tuna. So. <laughs> We, we all know <laughs> the recycle bin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? The the interesting thing about graffiti is that there are many, many, many layers um, wow. behind graffiti, and learning about them and understanding how they work together um, has been really fascinating. But also seeing how and look, graffiti is a form of expression, and it's not for everybody. And I fully understand. I definitely don't want my car to get graffitied, um, or your Lambo as well, Nick. So. Um, <laughs> But there is a lot of expression behind it, which is actually an avenue, especially for a lot of young men, yep. um, to express themselves and express their creativity. Not always in the most appropriate areas, I understand, but um, but it was a really interesting aspect. So we launched um, Black Book, which is a digital, um, it's a digital black book um, for graffiti. We launched that alongside Soffles, who is an incredible graffiti artist based in Brisbane, but He's, he's all over the world. He's incredibly famous uh, for his graffiti. As soon as I say to someone, Soffles, they don't know who that is. They don't understand it. But every time we show them his artwork, they it, it, it clicks. So um, he's got incredible pieces all over the world, Miami, New York. Um, he's got many in Melbourne. Uh, so Marvel Stadium, all the incredible artwork you see is by Soffles. He's got a, an entire arena at... Uh, at Rod Laver, like just oh, outside wow. Rod Laver, wow. which is just beautiful. Um, and you can see it wherever you're from because his artwork's really quite popping. So one of the wonderful things about Black Book is that every 
proceed of NFT sales goes towards an accelerator fund where we can bring other young artists and unknown artists into the space and propel them into the NFT arena as well. So again, a project that is very art-based. The community is fantastic and artistic. Um, the things they create from videos to art to, you know, caricatures um, and then to a project that does good by continuing to bring artists into the space is phenomenal. That's fantastic. Now, one of your tweets you talked about, it was the um, in relation to the Tiffany and um, CryptoPunks collaboration where um, Tiffany made $12.5 million in 20 minutes from 250 NFTs. And you, you made the comment, if we want NF, if we want mainstream adoption, it starts with us. Um, can, you, can you just, I think it's an interesting point of view because obviously, you know, that's a lot of money and there's a, once again, a strong story there around, um, you know, how, how people would perceive this as, uh, you know, NFTs is just, it's another ridiculous thing. I mean, how is it possible that 250 NFTs are worth $12.5 million? So can you just give us a bit of, you know, some thoughts around from a brand's point of view, uh, you know, how to approach pricing and, and things like that. Yeah, of course. So, look, my particular um, uh, kind of criticism around that is that we tend to report NFTs in a way that make them sound like get-rich-quick schemes. Right, yes. Yeah. So, you know, this whole Tiffany's thing of 12.5 in like X amount of time and 200 NFTs, it, it gives it the wrong aura, I think, yeah. for NFTs. And so no wonder mainstream media is going, hold on, we know about get-rich-quick schemes, they're pyramids, they're Ponzi's, they're blah, they're X, Y, and Z. Um, so I think we actually need to change the way that we report them because there are many NFT projects that, you know, aren't making right. gazillions and billions yeah. of minutes um, but are actually doing, you know, great things. Obviously, I'm very biased because that I would be. But there's also other NFT projects that are failing and that shouldn't have been in the space to begin with. So. Um, my particular criticism around that is that as an industry, we need to stop reporting and having those headlines. Yes, they they grab people's attentions, but very rarely do people read beyond and hear about the amount of work that has to go into to making these and where that money is going to go. So in terms of how we price things, um, it is very consumer-centric. One of the things that we do at Meta Labs is that we want um, every, we want it to be accessible. We've seen how Ethereum has very quickly priced people out of uh, mm -hmm. participating in NFTs. Yep. Uh, one of the things I love about Algorand is that anyone can participate in NFTs. Australia Zoo NFTs are about $50 to $60. So we're looking at disposable income because we don't want it to hurt you if, you know, you lose your keys or et cetera, et cetera. But also we want you to participate. So in terms of pricing, it is the models differ between brands. But the one piece of advice that I would give everyone, and it's something I keep saying to my team until they're sick of me saying it, is this space allows us to be so consumer-centric. Mm. Let's focus on them and let's give them something back and let's get them to participate. So very long-winded deep dive onto pricing and how we should be reporting NFT projects, but um, but I'm, that's the piece that I love about what we're doing is making it accessible to everybody. Yeah. Uh, now, and, and just one final tweet, and you got you got a bit of heat on this um, in Twitter. So you said um, we're not even close to building uh, the metaverse yet or a metaverse yet. 
And there's obviously, I mean, there's a whole industry now uh, around metaverse and so forth. Can you, what, what, what did you mean by that? Yeah, of course. Oh, look, I love this conversation because I, I genuinely don't. <laughs> uh -oh. uh, and for no. the next hour and a half, uh, Mariela said why we don't have a metaverse yet. I'm going to keep it short, I promise. Um, look, I think we're, we're miles away from the metaverse. Um, we're not even close. One of the things that I see is that there's an incredible fascination with the metaverse that we're all going to live online. And I, and I think to, an, to a degree there's an element of truth to that. But we are miles away from actual mainstream adoption of that. Um, it's a catchphrase that's become really hot. You know, you can go out to people and sell the metaverse. But when you actually look at the numbers, Nick, and I know that um, the average number, it's grown, but when I started at, uh, at MetaLabs um, over a year ago was the number of people that were active in NFTs was around 100,000. Right. right. And then now, obviously, it's a little bit bigger. I'm going to say it's because we are obviously, we came on board. So, of course, MetaLabs, you know, it's shifted everything. But uh, but we are so miles away from mainstream yeah. adoption of, of the metaverse. There's so many things that have to come. You know, there's too many barriers to entry. It's very expensive. It hasn't been built yet. Yeah. No one knows what it looks like. Everyone has a different idea of the metaverse. And, uh, and on top of that, I think that it's not until we bridge our real world to a digital version that we're actually going to see mainstream adoption for it. So I stand by it. We're not anywhere close near the metaverse. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think there's, you know, there's, a, there's this industry that's built up around and there are elements of it. I think gaming is interesting. I think, you know, there's people who are, you know, in, in sort of spending quite a lot of time in games online. So I feel like with metaverse, we're looking for the business models of the future. We can look to gaming because I think they're, you know, they're quite immersive experiences. Mm. But, yeah, I think, you know, this idea that, um, you know, you know, nor normal folks who aren't gamers are some way going to don, you know, don, don some VR goggles and, and drop in to Ready Player One. I think it's a ways off. So, no, I thought it was, it was, a, great, it was a great comment. And I think um, just in terms of with NFTs and so forth, I know, you get, you know, calls from companies and so forth. What's, what's your advice around, you know, an NFT strategy? If there's, you know, people in marketing sitting out there right at the moment thinking, should we do an NFT or not? What, what are your, what, what do you say to those folks? Listen to the experts. Um, you know, one of the things around Web3 is that everything is a little bit backwards. It's it's what you know, but it's backwards. So, you know, marketing is a perfect example. Um, most people think that marketing, in product marketing at least, right, you start marketing at the front and then you launch your product and then you let it go and you're just like, well, we did it until you get to the next product. Right. NFTs are not like that at all. Marketing actually starts once the drop begins. That's when the nurture sequence starts. That's when that's when work really starts in my eyes. Um, so I think any company that's not willing to be a little bit agile and flexible, this space will hurt them and grate them um, along the way. So listen to the experts, the people that will hold your hand and walk you through this. There is somewhat of a formula. Then again, it's such a new space that new formulas are there to be created. Uh, but for a brand to be successful, it has to have its own kind of flavour of Web3 to be able to take people into the next horizon. So in terms of brands, it's work with the people that are going to have your back and are going to get you an outcome in Web3 um, and listen to their, to their advice um, because Web2 models uh, work really well in Web2 and some of them work well in Web3 but not, not sustainable in Web3.
Yeah, no, and I, I love that idea that um, you know the marketing actually starts once you've dropped them. It's you know that that sense of you know it is like a baby. You, you know you've you've got to be responsible for this thing once you put it into the universe. Um, just finally, any any projects you can you can talk about? Uh, you know, give us give us a scoop on anything. Sure. Look, I can't say too much. I can't tell you the brand, but uh, but Meta Labs, we are we are we're a small team, but we work very very hard and very quickly. And uh, we've got a tier one charity that is coming on board, which is going to be very exciting to see how we make a, an impact there. And uh, our phone's constantly ringing hot, so you never know, Nick, what we might uh, we might be mm-hmm. announcing around the corner. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to more announcements. Um, I. Uh, if you, if you are, for those listening, um, do uh, do check out Mariella's uh, tweets. They're they're very amusing and uh, uh, sometimes slightly controversial, except for the stuff about uh, tin tuna, of course. And um, and thank you very much, Mariella. We wish you and the team at Meadow Labs uh, all the success uh, in the future. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Nick. I so appreciate you taking the time to uh, let us share the great things that we're doing on in this space. Terrific. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Web3 from Mystery to Mainstream. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organization needs a Web3 strategy.